podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Rate Don't Hate, the show where we judge the performance, not necessarily the performer. I am joined by regular of Rate Don't Hate, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome back to the show. Um, are you ready to do some ratings after what I would assume is a professional win by Liverpool this past weekend? An overly tense 1-0 win, which was pretty... <laughs> I'm sure if you watched it back now, it'd feel like the easiest win of the season. But, yeah, watching it and feeling we've missed a few chances here. <laughs> this is one where it used to bite us on the arse. But, no, it was, a, it was a really good win. I think we managed the game really well, as we'll, as we'll talk as, as we go through the ratings. But it's weird because we t- kind of, before we started recording, not really huge ratings, but it was just really m- well-managed game, wasn't it? Yeah, very well-managed game. Um, they didn't really pose a threat, mm. unless you want to count all the offside goals that they could have gotten. Everyone else does. I suppose, yeah, <laughs> Elmeron got one, I think, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, one yeah. of their offside goals. Um, but yeah, it seems it seems when Liverpool use a high line, then the, 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 the high line is seen as some sort of risk and weakness. When Man City use it, it's brilliant defending. I don't know how that works out, but... For us, I think I think it's fair to say we're we're used to being confident at the high line. But looking back on that Newcastle game, I think I'm more confident when we're ahead by more than one goal than when it's a one goal away Only from takes home. One, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, one goal away from home. It, it it got a bit nervy there towards the end. But yeah, as you mentioned, a very, very comfortable game um, in the end and in hindsight, quite comfortable. We will start things off where we always do on this podcast, and that's at the back. And it starts off with a bang in terms of accuracy, because I've got Alison Becker here getting a 7.6 from AI Pro subscribers and then 7.5 from Stephen Smith, our regular rater on AnfieldIndex.com. Um, Guy, you've gone with a six. <laughs> so you, yeah. You're slightly, slightly off what the others had to say. Let me, let me read what Stephen had to say here, and you can maybe let me know whether it fits your summation of Allison's performance, and and it's just a difference of scoring systems, or if it's something completely different. Um, he mentions that the nervy situations were inevitable, but this man dealt with such moments like the world's greatest keeper should. The chances for Newcastle were limited, but everything was smothered by the giant Brazilian. Do you share those sentiments? He had nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of shots that they had. Ah, where, come on, I come suppose on. He... <laughs> Jesus, Adrian or me could have saved them. 
God, uh, yeah, yeah. A six, you know, you know me by now. At six is just you've had really little to do, and that's how I felt about this. I mean, the Gimmeres chance at the end. Any Premier League goalkeeper should be serving that. Uh, I think there was that one in the first half. I can't remember who took the shot, but um, another comfortable save and. He screwed up the 1v1 and the offside chance. Let's knock him down for that. Um, but no, he had very little to do. I mean, his claiming was fine. His kicking was fine. His sweeping was fine whenever we needed it, which was very rare, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he wasn't really involved in and my rating system. If you're not really involved, I just I start at six and then move down and up. So you get a six if you don't do too much. So there it be. Fair enough. And look, they they only had two shots that were on target. Um, there was another shot that was off target, and then their fourth shot was blocked. So I get where you're coming from with your with your rating for Allison. It's not to say he was bad on the day. It's just to say he didn't get a chance to show us how good he really is. And I suppose that's a good thing. Um, if I'm giving Allison's sixes more to do with the other team's performance than necessarily our performance, I think that's going to bode us well for the rest of the season and um you know uh, uh, attributing to that lack of activity for Allison was the center back pairing because we went back to the tried and tested matup and uh, Virgil van Dijk at the center backs um matup had 69 touches van Dijk 72 which is as close as ever sort of type of situation where Van Dijk only has three touches more than Joe Matip. Were you surprised or because it's kind of those situations where you need a bit of creativity from Matip? We know sometimes he can be that creative outlet that that he got quite involved in terms of touches. I mean, clearly it wasn't a game similar to the, the one we played last time out against Everton where they just said, have the ball, we'll, we'll try and, and, and park a bus and, and hope for something. Um, a dive on the other end and, and, and get a result. But, I mean, it's 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 a 7.2 for both Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk from AI Pro subscribers. And looking at Steven's uh, ratings for them both, he's got a 7.5 for Virgil van Dijk and a 7 for Joel Matip. Um, what was your thinking in your ratings? I see here for the two, you've got a 6 for Matip, a 7 for van Dijk. I mean... Is there much to write home about? Were, were you know how much praise do we give them for those um, offside uh, lines, so to speak? That they they obviously Van Dyke being the key one in in I'm assuming in marshalling everyone and making sure that everyone's keeping that disciplined line and and probably matter for you know following suit and then doing the business in cleaning up any messy situations that come about from what would be a threatening Newcastle at times. You know, you look at some of their players, the Almirons, who are fast, but don't necessarily Mm. have an end product. And then the St. Maximans, who will do stepovers even if you're 10 yards away from him. But uh, yeah, what what were your thoughts on our centre-back's performances? Yeah, Matip almost similarly to Allison. I don't I don't remember him being too too involved, but the the line was spot on as you say, and you got to praise Matip for that. Van Dijk I went a smidge higher because I remember him doing a few more nice passes and and stuff like that in comparison. Um, 
But yeah, Van Dyke, I think he had a bit more, a sm, a, I say a bit, a smidgen more defending to do because Al, <laughs> because Almiron was on their right, if I remember correctly, and obviously Robbo and Van Dyke take care of that side, whereas Joel on the left and then Sen Maxman sort of being a false nine, but just kind of popping up where and wherever. They didn't have much direct defending to do, but Almiron was certainly the best outlet out of them three. Um, and yeah, I think he just defended Al- Almiron a bit more than Matip had to defend Joel Linton on the on the right and Maximum whenever the whenever the hell he just popped into the game to do a step over and then bugger off for the next thirty minutes. Um, so yeah, I just went Van Dyke a bit higher. But if we did point fives, I'd probably do a seven point five for Van Dyke and a seven for Matip as well to make it sound less negative. But I can't do that, so I wanted to differentiate a smidge. But Van Dyke just because I thought he had a smidge more to do and he was a bit better on the ball, uh, uh, as you say. Um, but yeah, they didn't really have any direct defending to do because. Well, Joe Ellington's now N'Golo Kante. Um, Maximan's a winger, and Almiron was a number 10 back in the day, so there wasn't really a direct threat till Chris Wood came on whatever minute that was, and he didn't add too much either. So, yeah, not not too much defending to do, but the high line, I think uh, we caught him off quite a lot in this game, and it worked really well, so you can't really knock them down. I probably should have went for a seven for each, to be fair, but next season, introduced a point fives to do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we will see if that campaign is successful um yeah we, we we stick to the to the whole numbers on this podcast for the panelists obviously Stephen has the luxury of going to the point fives if he so chooses and AI pro, pro subscribers it's an average so 7.2s is how it ended up there we've got Joe, uh, Joe Gomez, I almost called him Jomez, um as he is affectionately known by Mr. Guy Drinkle Jomez uh, obviously comes in deputising for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, Robertson probably, I'm assuming, wouldn't have started if Tsimikas was fit and well to play. Um, but anyway, Robertson plays the game and, I mean, the efforts all the way through to the final whistle. You know, that age-old uh, play-to-the-whistle situation, Robbo was playing right until the final whistle, doing sprints in the extra time of 90 minutes is just absolutely mad. But... I think the, the the more interesting one for me was the performance of Joe Gomez because as Liverpool fans, I think we tend to get a little bit nervy whenever Trent's not playing. But so far, so good for Joe Gomez in the games that he's come in and had to do a job on that right-back side. And we all know he's not a right-back. It's also the place and the position where he ended up getting injured Um you know, so I'm always very, very scared whenever he plays in that position. But he seems to be fine. Doesn't seem to have any ghosts that he's seeing on the field or anything like that. Um, yeah, what 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 did you think of Joe Gomez's performance specifically? And then, if you want to touch on Robertson, um, please go ahead and, and 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 explain. You know, your I mean, it's it's not controversial, Marks. Yeah, you've got an eight for Joe Gomez. A seven for Robbo, as I said, AI Pro subscribers, 7.8 for Robbo and an 8.2 for Joe Gomez. So Joe getting slightly more love in this game, but as I assumed, it's probably because he was the one that people would have been looking out for to see what kind of performance he would give. But Stephen um, summarized it as saying Joe Gomez, um, it was effort and tenacity in abundance. He was up and down the line constantly and looks like the relative freedom is being Boston. Uh, the odd crossfield 
ball was on point and the crossing was pretty good too. The defence work was never in doubt and this was another great outing for England's best defender. Um, Do you agree, England's best defender? And what did you think of this performance? Yeah, certainly best centre-back for me. Whilst we're on it, there's not too much to talk about. I'd, I'd probably play him and John Stones myself. I think Stones is pretty good. And Gomez, is, I think them two complementing each other pretty well, so I'd go with them two. Um, yeah, it's just, he's almost just a victim of circumstances, isn't he? Because, I mean, he, obviously the injuries and stuff, but he is an excellent player. And it's showing his versatility, because, I mean, to be fair, I mean, what was it? Was it 17 18? It was him and Trent rotating at right back before Trent, uh, well, before Gomez's injury more so, but then Trent just kind of became what he is now and further developed. But Gomez is was always pretty good at right back, but then he just took the steps at centre back. But um yeah, it's probably more so the attacking side that surprises people when he goes there, or certainly surprises me, because I mean we've taken out Trent, Tiago and Mo in this game and everyone was like, <laughs> where be the creativity? <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, to be fair, Gomez, he should have got an assist because Mane missed a, a chance. I think, did he create one of the Jota chances? I can't remember as well, but certainly the Mane one, if I remember correctly, where he put it, um, he put it past the near post. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he was a good outlet there. I went with an eight because defended really well in a position that's not 100% natural to him. Um But being that outlet that we need when from our full-backs, which you don't really expect from him, but He's a showing he's still an excellent player and it's almost a shame we didn't trust him earlier in the season with there because we had to play Milner a couple of games at right back and stuff like that. But maybe he was maybe Gomez was still unfit at that stage. But yeah, he's certainly a valuable squad player and if he wants to go, yeah, one thing, but if he does stay excellent centre back and seemingly an excellent right back as well. What what a pleasure. What an abundance of mm. resources that we currently have at Liverpool at the moment. Guy, let's move up the field. Um, James Milner, Jordan Henderson, the Milderson uh, center back, I mean, center midfield partnership is played in this one. And I'd say it's probably one of the more controversial ones, at least from my eyes, um, seeing the way people react to it. But, you know, Milner involved in... The, the 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 only goal that we scored um Henderson kind of a steady performance uh, to come into the holding role in such a game I'm quoting Stephen here he was able to screen nicely and simplified his game as needed can now be rested in the week for Spurs at the weekend um I think we'll, we'll we can always get on to who should start certain games um in certain situ- situations but for this one it's Milner and Henderson before the game started and after the game finished, what what were your your thoughts, and did that reflect on your ratings, or did did that reflect in your assessment as you were going into your ratings? Because you've gone an eight for James Milner, a seven for Jordan Henderson, um, which I believe is the highest rating um, of the day. If you if you're looking at AI Pro subscribers, they've gone a six point six four Henderson, a six point eight for Milner. And Steven's yeah. gone with a seven point five for Milner and a seven for Henderson. So the the the, the Milderson midfield isn't getting as much love from the AI Pro subscribers as from Steven yourself. And you know, if, if I throw my ratings in there as well, I was in the seven um for both players. 
So could you see why they, they necessarily didn't get as high a rating or is it just a, a case of they're so de- de- divisive at the moment that no matter what they do, similar to a navigator mm. um, in the reverse role of that, that some people will just always rate them, you know, a certain way. Um, but yeah, I, from my perspective, I thought it was, I was scared when we started the game because um, I'm looking at the likes of Joe Linton in their midfield. I'm thinking of Willock probably running past both of them at some point in time. That didn't happen in this game. They, they held their own, very comfortable in midfield, if I may say so. And as we said, Milner involved in, in the first goal, whether or not you know it's controversial, I guess, depends on if you're a Man City fan or a Liverpool fan. But yeah, what, what did you think of the Milderson performance before we eventually get on to the person that got the match winner? Uh, pre-game, worried. <laughs> Very worried. Let's <laughs> be fair here. I mean, you see them two together, it's not really worked in recent, never mind this season, probably the last couple of years. I don't think it's really worked ideally ever, to be fair. Um, we've, I think we've always had better options than them two as a partnership. Um, but no, they play, I think they played really well. And Henderson didn't have loads to do as the six, as we keep saying the defensive players didn't. But he kept the ball ticking well. He pressed well, rotated well with Naby and um, Milner when he went on to press, etc. Um, so yeah, I... I mainly put Hendo down to the compare to the other ones just because I thought the other two had a bit more impact and I wanted to show that in the ratings. But Hendo was fine. Um, Milner, it's probably his best game for Liverpool well, that I remember. I did. Not all, It's probably not overall, but I mean, certainly in recent years, it's certainly his best one for me. Um, especially in a Premier League game, he obviously gets the cup games and stuff like that. But no, he was good. He obviously made the, I think he lost the ball, then made a tackle to get the <laughs> ball back for for the goal. But yeah, that's what you that's what you kind of expect from James Milner is is the worth work ethic, if I can speak. Um, which is there, good tackle, definitely not a foul as much as certain. Well, I think that be BBC for some reason. BBC wanted to wish it into existence being a foul. Um, Passed well, tracked well, pressed well. I thought he was just really good. I, not too much outstanding work, um, but yeah, played a big part in the goal. Obviously, Henderson was involved in it with it as well. Um, but yeah, I thought them two did quite well. And I had this theory before the game that Milner can only play against bad teams because I think the only team we've beaten with him is like, I think it was Chris Norwich. Palace, if I remember correctly, and then there was Man. I think it was Man United as well, who were obviously dreadful. So maybe Newcastle are a bad team. Um, but yeah, it 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 was it was good to see. I mean, would I start it again in another game? No, <laughs> but it was good. It was it was nice to see them play well. To be fair, but I still miss Thiago. That's how I, that's how I'll word I'll word it word it. But um. Yeah, they, they were they were good on they were good on the day, very good on the day to be to be exact. Yeah, and 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 as we as I said at the beginning, we judge the performance, not necessarily the performer. And I I'm known for being in inverted commas quite harsh with my ratings, but I, I do 
tend to think that I give the rating that I think the players have earned. Um, it, it doesn't have all too much to do with me, quite frankly. If if they earn a good rating, they'll get a good rating. If they don't, they, they won't get a good rating. Um, I thought Milner and Henderson were quite solid in this game. Obviously, I was quite scared before the game, as mentioned. And after the game, it was sort of a hand-breathe situation, you know, um, getting through the game with them. But you know what? They held their own. I wonder if the fact that Molnar, he comes on every single game, um, you know, whether if it's starting or coming off the bench. And maybe with his age, keeping him in some kind of rhythm is what they've seen is, is going to help him out this season. Because I can imagine trying to get things going at his age, you know, after, you know, in a cold start, after not having played a lot of game and not being up to match speed, maybe might be um, a bit more of a challenge than someone else. But it seems like it's been intentional to keep him in rhythm, even if it's substitution appearances, you know, three, four, five substitution appearances in a row. Milner always seems to come onto the pitch. And I'm starting to notice that a lot more in in a methodical type of situation, not necessarily just why is Milner? Because I, I always wondered, why is Milner always coming on every single game? And I think it is to try and keep him in some kind of match rhythm for games like this, that when he does start, he is in some kind of flow. And yeah, as you said, involved in, in the goal, kind of the Cristiano Ronaldo um, arsonist and firefighter situation there, losing the ball and then getting it back. But yeah, um, no harm done. Actually good for Liverpool in that sense. Um, Milner, similar to Robertson, you know, those type of players that have that dog in them that will always, you know, chase the bone and always be down in the trenches and, and willing to do, you know, maybe the, the, the dirty work, so to speak, that other people might not necessarily be able to do. And I thought that was quite evident in this game so that was good to see but guy let's move on to the third midfielder in that midfield trio Naby Keita obviously as I said so Klopp going with the three midfielders that probably bring out the most controversial opinions do you think that was intentional It's just it's just Klopp. He's threw a grenade in on Twitter and then he's called like LFC. He's called like Klopp 2016 <laughs> or something, isn't he? Uh, he's just or oh, what's what? <laughs> Got like Nabby Lad 17 or something. <laughs> but he, he just throws a grenade and then just watches the world burn. Absolutely <laughs> uh, fantastic. I hope um, that's act- I hope he is actually on Twitter somewhere just taking the absolute piss. Um, that would be amazing. It would be. That would be, be amazing. Great. But. Yeah. Um, but- but yeah, um, yeah. So Naby Keita obviously gets the goal in this game. I mean, the the composure to drop the shoulder, roll it um, when many people would have shot in that situation, and then obviously smack the ball in between the defenders. When he rolls the ball, um, obviously I'm in in the speed of the moment. I'm thinking, oh, that's so saucy. That's fantastic. Then I have this immediate fear that there are 500 people on the goal line. He's going to hit one of them. It's not going to go in. Did you also have that fear or was that just me? Yeah, but it happened so, it happened so quickly. <laughs> there was a slight it? little like, oh, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, I think the first time you watch it, it's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but the, it's just, it's just, I think, I think he may be the only midfielder who scores that. To be fair, I don't like Thiago doesn't really get that far forward. 
So I think Naby's probably the only midfielder who would have the natural composure in that situation to take it round the goalkeeper, see there's three players on the line and just go, eh, weak foot, I'll put it through ball ears. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's the perfect player for that situation. And I think, I can't remember if it was this podcast, I might have just even said it on Twitter. Like, if Naby does sign the new deal, which is an if, obviously, at the minute, but with Klopp signing his, obviously, all the stories coming out with that he wants to hand out contracts to everyone, which... <laughs> I can't really complain. Um, if he signs the new deal, I do really want to see more of him in that attacking role. Like I, I love the rotation between him and Thiago, but if Willing with Chuamani, I don't know. I, I barely say. I, I don't think I've actually seen him play. But if Chuamani becomes the new Naby, and he can ro- ro- rotate with Thiago, and then Naby and Hendo can rotate on the right side or whatever, or Elliot Jones, whoever, whoever, whoever. Um, I really want to see more of Naby in that role because I think he can offer something that is completely unique to Naby in that role, whereas him playing the Thiago role, I think he does bits and bobs that are slightly different, but I think Thiago does most of that differently. I think maybe Naby defends slightly better, but overall you'd be like, Thiago's pretty much better at everything. Whereas in that attacking role, I think he offers stuff Henderson doesn't. I think he offers stuff that Jones doesn't, that um, Elliot doesn't. And I think as a complete package this season, because we, we we always mention Henderson's weird season. I think if that's the midfield that we can pick more often than not, I think that would be a great pick, but we, we know the injury issues there. But yeah, I, I went with Naby with nine with this one. I think even the goal was like great composure, but I think he played really well. Other than that, linking the, the midfield and the attack, and well, it's just a shame the attack didn't fancy scoring. <laughs> um but yeah, Naby's. I think Naby's been really good this season. It's just a shame the first half of the season where he didn't. Well, ever we finding the right rhythm for him to help with his injury issues or, or whatever. But post Afcon, we just seem to have found the perfect rotation for him, and he's getting really good minutes, and we're seeing what a good player he is. Yeah, it's it's really good to see. Um, and you were in perfect harmony with AI Pro subscribers because they gave a nine for Naby Keita there too. And um, yeah, you mentioned that the way he plays that role, he's more willing. It seems to be in and around the box, um, more willing to take shots and and as I said, being inside the box, um, arriving into the box. Whereas I think most of the midfielders that play that position either end up drifting towards the wing or stay outside the box looking to cross rather than take shots um, or, or, or give through direct through balls in that situation. So it, it does offer something different. Um, I'm glad the Liverpool website gave him man of the match because for some reason the BT pundits uh, gave it to James Milner. But I mean, Milner had a solid game and as you said, probably one of his better games for Liverpool in, in recent memory. But I didn't think it was close between him and mm-hmm. Navigator and anyone else really on who should have been man of the match. But hey-ho, um, at least the, the, the club website gave gave it to Navigator and AI Pro subscribers gave it to Navigator because he was clear favourite. I mean, Gomez came the closest with an 8.2. But yeah, Nabi gets a 9 there. Um, so that's probably not bearing the lead there in terms of who's going to get player of the match um, for this performance from us either. But let's move on to the forward line because this is the way I think things can get quite interesting with the ratings. We won only 1-0, Guy. You mentioned the fact that 
we had opportunities in spades to to get a lot more goals. I'm looking at the amount of shots that we took. Um, we had 24 shots, Guy. Uh, 10 of them were on target, 10 of them off target, and we had four that were blocked. And then I'm looking at, in inverted commas, the culprits. Um, Jota had five shots. Diaz had four shots. Mane had three shots. Naby Keita had three shots. Obviously, he gets the one goal from from those three shots. Um, was that a factor when it came to your ratings in terms of the amount of missed chances? Because so far, we've kind of been speaking about, you know, the players played well. They didn't have too much to do. Um, but the things they did do, they did well. But then when we start moving to the front players, the people that should have been making this game 2 3 4 5 nil, um, I, I thought they fell a little bit short, despite the fact that they had, you know, promising situations where they were getting into good positions, they were being creative, they were being dangerous and unpredictable and, and moving around, you know, no one just stayed up, you know, as as the nine, so to speak, they were just switching positions left, right and centre, which should have caused, in my opinion, more problems for Newcastle in terms of goals conceded than it ended up um, giving them. But yeah, what what were your thoughts? I've got Stevens. Um, ratings here for the, the front three. He's got an eight for Lewis Diaz, the highest rating there. Uh, Mane gets a seven. Diogo Jota gets a 6.5. For Jota, he says he's having a surprising uh, surprising second half to the season as the rotation takes its toll. A couple of good headers were, um, were the bright parts and his role as fourth choice forward is clear. Do you agree with that, um, him being now the fourth choice uh, forward and then also then talk about your rating for Jota because you've gone with an 8 for Jota um, whereas Steven's kind of gone with a 6.5 here. What did you see from Jota that kind of lifted your rating a, a lot higher than Steven's um, and then in comparison to AI Pro subscribers, they've gone with a 6.4 for Jota so they were in Steven's camp for this one. Um, it, is it that age-old debate of if Jota doesn't score, he's going to get a low rating pretty much whereas you've kind of bucked the trend here? I was shocked when you read out eight there. Because I thought I went with a typo. Possible. Well, they'll make it work. I thought I went with a seven, but no, there it is in plain black and white. Um, I thought he. I thought he was. He was weird. He was the opposite of what he usually is. He was really good with the ball, but he couldn't <laughs> shoot. It's so weird. So I went with the plus. I went with the positive side. Um, in terms of the fourth choice thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> For me, probably, but mine is weird. He's either amazing or wanting to get sent off, seemingly, <laughs> which seems to be no middle ground. You're either trying to assault someone or you're playing really well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, I think third's still up for um, debate. I think Diaz, for me, would be first choice on the left. More, more picks himself because we don't have anyone else can play on the right. And the middle one... Yeah, I think you just got to go horses for courses with that one. Um, Jotter, I, w- I went with the highest for Jotter. I'll word it that way, right? typo or no typo. Just because I think he used the ball really well. Because when I was looking, I, I tend to look at the stat sites before I do this just to see if I'm chatting absolute wham. Um, and, I mean, he got a 7-7 on the sofa score, which we know stat sites, who scored, sofa score, whatever. Sometimes it's like... 
they pick a number and then yeah, it, it's really high and you don't agree with it, whatever. But I mean, four key passes from him. Uh, big one big chance is created. He didn't miss a big chance himself. But <clears throat> I think other than the one where he volleyed it, where he just needed to show a bit more composure, maybe take it down or just simply score the volley where he hit it straight at Depravka. I think that was his that was the big bad miss. And that's probably what's sticking in most people's memories. But in terms of his all-round performance, it's probably his best one for a little while because what you said at the start there, I think, has been true. This especially was it was near the um, League Cup final, wasn't it, where he got injured and then came back and everyone was like, "Is he fit?" Um, but since then, I, yeah, I think this was his best use of the ball since that injury, really. Um, so I went on. It, it is on the high side, seemingly, <laughs> um, but I, I thought he was quite good. Which is what we've needed from Jota because I never, I never thought pre that injury that he was that bad with the ball, which he has been in recent times. But yeah, it was good to see his good use with the ball. Um, I probably should have went seven, but we'll make it stick. Um, but yeah, good use of the ball. Uh, should have scored, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I thought that was his best all-round performance for a long while. Yeah, and and even in terms of his dribbling, which I I am you know quite critical of, mm. um, especially on this podcast, I did think he was more intentional in this game. Um, I think he got fouled like two or three times. Um, he had the most dribbles as well from our forward players. So yeah, he was showing a little bit more care and intent with his dribbling. Um, maybe because he was being able to drift to the left hand side a little bit more than just staying centrally in this one. We mentioned that the the forward players were rotating quite a bit. But yeah, um, obviously, maybe not as high as an eight. But in terms of just an overall performance where Jota doesn't score, I was a lot more pleased with this one than I have been in a long, long time with him, where um, I'm just absolutely waiting for him to score so I can bump up his rating. Otherwise, it's just not going to look too good. So hopefully that continues in terms of his performances. The two other players that played with him up front, Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane. Um, obviously, um, you know, Mane had quite a few chances that were glaring, in my opinion. You mentioned the Joe Gomez one when Mane side-foots yeah, it and, you know, goes near post. And then also the one when Diaz did a no-look pass across the box. Mane's running onto it, opens his body up. I'm expecting him... To, and with the way he opened his body up, he's he's showing that he's going to bend at far post. I wonder if he thought he would he he sort of like punked the keeper there by showing like he's going um, far post and then try and close the foot and go near post. But the keeper reads it and it ends up looking quite a poor shot. Um, I'd be interested to to find out from him if if that was the case, but. What were your thoughts on those two's performances? Um, Jota's, Jota and Mane 6.4s from AI Pro subscribers, so they've got the same there. But um, from your perspective, um, we mentioned the fact that Jota got the highest. Um, you got a 7 for Diaz and then a 5 for Mane. Was it those glaring chances that kind of stood out for you in, in lowering Mane's rating? It's certainly the eye-catching reason why why Mane was quite a bit lower. Um but I think just his overall play, he just didn't play like, he just didn't play like, like Mane. Like, 
I think he had a lost touch. He has 28 touches in 69 minutes for Mane against Newcastle, where we pretty much dominated the entire game. I mean, Jotter only had 40, so maybe. maybe <laughs> but I mean, look at Diaz. Diaz got 60. Yeah. Like, I mean, that just for interest, take, let's see what Moore got in. Moore got 15. 15. So, yeah. and he played obviously only 20 odd mins, I think. So, yeah, Mane just didn't really get involved. And when he did get involved, it was a missed chance. It was a sloppy pass or whatever. I just think he was really quite off it on the day. Um, I don't I don't think this one's as bad as the Everton one where he did poke someone in the face twice. But I, he did kind of go, like, stamped. Stamped, studs down, studs down. I don't mean to stamp, but studs down on the ball, and it did catch the keeper. I mean, we know the referees in this country. If some, if they're looking at that in slow mo, he's probably going off. So if that gets highlighted by VAR, he's probably going off because they'll show it in slow mo eight hundred times and he'll be off. So I think he's got to be more careful. Or I don't think that one was aggression, but I think in terms of the Everton game, he's got to control that aggression and harness it into what Mane does best. So, yeah, a really quiet and off day for him, for me. Um, that's why I went Mane the lowest. The missed chances were just kind of the cherry on the crap cake there. Uh, but we, we know if you stat bad a couple of goals, you go from a five to a nine. <laughs> um, that's how it works. But, uh, yeah, it's just an off day. Should have scored that near post one, definitely. Um, Diaz, I think he was just the out ball. I don't think it was... His best performance by any means. Probably should have scored. There was that near post one where it probably should have been our second corner that wasn't given in the in the day. Um, but yeah, I think I don't remember him having glaring a glaring miss that he didn't like create the opportunity himself in. Even though I don't think his misses was as glaring as the other two. Um, but yeah, I think Diaz was the, the real out ball. But if anything, I think Jotter and Diaz combined quite well in this game. Um, but, yeah, just not the end product to get the higher scores, I'm afraid, mate. I've, as I said, I think I, I did go high on Jota there because I did do the ratings one minute before the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's um, it was an off day for all, in front of goal, especially for all the forwards. I think it was just diff- different levels of performances without without the end product from from all three of them, really. Yeah, I think they will be disappointed not to have at least um, gotten a goal in in this one and the the chances we've mentioned them. Now, Guy, um, coming off the bench and coming off quite, I mean, yeah, coming off the bench onto the pitch quite early, um, Fabinho comes on 68th minute, so does Mo Salah, and then Thiago comes on 77th minute. Was this club just saying, okay, let's not do anything stupid in this game, or... Alternatively, let's keep everyone ticking over, you know, a nice little run out for these guys in a game that we're looking just to solidify and not make any mistakes. Um, you mentioned Mo Salah's 15 touches in that game. I, I thought he could have gotten a goal or an, and or an assist in this game. Uh, yeah. A couple of little situations that maybe he, he would have been expecting to do a bit better in. Um, Thiago, I think... I think of the substitutes, Thiago kind of was the more relaxed one, it felt, in terms yeah. of he didn't really have to do too much. Um, he, he tried a few, you know, um, skillful passes and stuff like that. But 
it seemed like Thiago was okay to kind of coast through this game because he knew they're bigger, there's bigger fish to fry a bit later on, but still being quite um, solid in, in, in his display. But yeah, were you surprised? He, he, he obviously got the, he had 14 touches. I'm curious how many passes he actually had because he had 70% passing and for Thiago, that is quite poor. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's a game that we're now just in a different mode, trying to see it out. Just let's not do anything stupid. Just, you know, and then obviously Fabinho comes in to add that steal defensively, that defensive mind. Um, is there anything too much to talk about other than the fact that maybe Mo Salah would have felt he could have gotten a goal and or an assist in this one? I see you've given sixes um, all round for the substitutions, which I think is quite fair. Mm-hmm. AI Pro subscribers have a seven for Thiago um, after I've just buried him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting stuff there. Um, Mo Salah's got a 6.6. Fabinho's got a 6.8 and we'll round off with um, Steven's ratings because he's gone with a 6.5 for Fabinho. He says a welcome sight to see him close the game out. Mo Salah 6.5 as well. He said he should have ended the game late on as he still hunts two form um, or I'm assuming still hunts top form. Uh, that Yeah, that, that maybe is something that to, to, to keep an eye on. For example, we know uh, Son is catching up to him in the gold, gold uh, golden boot race. I think Son's on 19, Salah's on 22, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, you want Mo being sharp for this end of the season, and he he, he should have maybe scored a goal in this one. Is that the only thing? I don't think it's a major concern after we've won the game, but is that the only big takeaway we can get from the substitutions, apart from... I almost forgot that heart-stopping moment when Thiago went down and I thought he was injured. Jeez, Louise, I, I, I was absolutely shaking. Um, but he gets up and he seems to be fine. But yeah, any, anything noteworthy from the substitutions? Yeah, only the fact that they came on. I mean, I don't. Ox wasn't on the bench, was he? I don't think he was. He was on the bench. Do 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 do. Jones and Elliot. Yeah. And then them, obviously. Um. So maybe just maybe not lack of trust, but well, maybe it is a lack of trust. But I mean, Ox isn't there. Jones was ill all the week, wasn't he? Or that's with the the story coming into it. So yeah, you'd expect Ox is probably off, which I think most people probably expect anyway. Elliot's been with the under twenty threes recently, and obviously he's more of an attacking midfielder. So maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he just has the select. Five midfielders? Yeah, five midfielders that he just wants on the pitch at all times. So, yeah, maybe unless we're like 3-0 up and coasting, we won't see too much of Jones and Elliot for the rest of the season. Um, But, yeah, it's probably just to get Mins ticking for Fabinho and Thiago because we know it's them two plus one most of the times in in games we 100% have to win. And he obviously saw Villarreal as a more difficult situation to manage than the Newcastle game. I certainly trusted the the three lads in midfield to do that. So yeah, just keep them ticking along. Um, and the and the free starters did well. But yeah, the subs kind of came on. Kind of the game went. It didn't go mad because Newcastle really didn't do too much, but they just didn't really play too well when they came on. Um, but the game was pretty much managed pretty well managed still. But Newcastle just tried a wee bit more going forward. So, yeah, six is all round, not really too much to comment. 
on their performances individually. Yeah, not really. I'm, I'm, and I mean, the important thing for this one was just getting the result after a quick turnaround from midweek game, having a 12:30 kickoff away from home was going to be tough enough. But solid from Klopp, he he rolled the dice, uh, still got the three points. Uh, I know. Stephen rated him a nine out of ten. He said the uh, he said he rotated, rolled the dice, trusted his squad, and won the game. What could be the greatest period in the Reds' history is being complemented by a wonderfully managed period. Um, the contract is signed. The tricky trip to Newcastle won. Now let's go get to let's go to yet another final. Thank you for those ratings, Stephen Smith. Um, guy. I think that is going to do it for this podcast. Do you have a man of the match? Do you have a, a rating for Klopp? I, I don't know if it's, you know, I, I agree with Stephen from that sense that, you know, being at the, the squad management in this game was really, really good and, and has kind of been the hallmark of the season is how well Klopp has trusted people to come and do a job. And then those, you know, the players have rewarded that trust by giving the performances you meant we mentioned the likes of Milner coming in, Cater coming in, Jota coming in to start. All three involved in you know the goal that that Cater gets there. It's nice to see substitutions or substitutes or non-starters and squad players come in, be impactful. Um, is is there anything else more you want to add? Any queries with his with his ratings, and then you can move on to plugs if you have any. Uh, I'd probably rate Klopp a zero because I bought Mo in <laughs> on FPL. Oh, um, fair, fair. Yeah, so cheers, Klopp. As a waste of transfer. Also have Trent, which probably everyone does, so probably the same boat as everyone. Uh, he obviously didn't play. Could have done with a uh, uh, clean sheet bonus there. But hey-ho, I'll stick with my like two points I'm sure I have for the weekend. Um, yeah, Klopp got it. He seemed well, he got it right. We won managed the game really well the pick the players we had doubts about played well so yeah eight eight to ten that's what you got to rate him really um plugs what am i on this week uh not me but we are on live discord for uh raw tomorrow yeah tomorrow night for villarreal so if you're a subscriber listening to this or Cheeky plug for AI Pro. If you want to become a subscriber and listen to post-match uh, Raw and other shows live, uh, well, just go on the website, follow the crack, you know, by now. Um, so that'll be live tomorrow. I'll be producing that in the background. Uh, next one for me will probably be Friday with Dave on Two Footed, unless I'm forgetting something obvious. Um, but yeah, that's it next week. Uh, next Friday, not this Friday, words guy. Uh, on Friday, I'll be on with Dave for Two Footed, which I'm, we're kind of merging with your show for the next month to do because you're on your Holly Bobs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, guys, do look out for Two Footed Podcast on EPR Index channel. Go check out all of the awesome stuff on and uh, Anfield Index um, for me, a tad predictable. Go check that out. I will have a a show out this week. Um, we will cover the weekend's uh, games coming up. Do score predictions for those. There'll be a bank. It'll burn it in there as well. Um, and then, yeah, I'm I'm going on holiday. So you guys might not hear from me for quite a while from a podcasting standpoint, but I will be there in the Twitterverse and all of those good stuff at Tad Predicts on Twitter. My time zones may be a bit off <laughs> considering where I'm going, um, 
but yeah, I, I will be able to report on the weather, guy. I, I know Alex um, usually reports the weather for you, but I will be down there, um, so I, I can give you too hot. I, I can give you some weather updates uh, from that side of the world. But yeah, guys, do enjoy the rest of the season. Hopefully. The Reds do deliver the quadruple and we can all celebrate. I'm looking forward to coming back to celebrations. You know, if, if there are celebrations happening in Liverpool, I, I'm pretty sure I will travel down um, from London to Liverpool, celebrate with a lot of you guys from Anfield Index. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing quite a lot of you. And yeah, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.